Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast on this Thursday. Excuse me, I'm a bit ahead of myself here. <laughs> on this Wednesday, December 9th, 2020, recording this on a on a Wednesday evening. Uh, yeah, you know, we got a couple more, couple more days in the week before weekends here. Uh, you know, as you've gotten through hump day. According to us on a Wednesday evening, I'll have this podcast out sometime tomorrow, if not if not later on this evening. Um, this is, of course, Cyril Gerald Quinn. Uh, just a lot to talk about discussing the world of sports and pop culture. Uh, we're going to begin with today's headlines. Coach K, not happy about playing basketball during these COVID times. Um, Coach Mysiszewski after a 15-point, you know, ass-whooping at the hands of the Illinois Illini, who, is, or, who are very good this year, by the way. And, you know, you look at both Duke's losses this year. They have been to top 10 teams, Michigan State last week and, and, and uh, Illinois Illinois uh, last night. Uh, so, you know, it, it's not a major concern for Duke uh, losing to two top-ranked teams, top Big Ten teams, um, top 10 teams that are in the Big Ten. But... That's not the story here, nor near here. Uh, that's not the story in regards to them losing the game. The story is it's Coach K, who for, for the first time, this is the uh, first time in that I, you know, since COVID started, I've heard a coach, college or pro, publicly come out and knock, uh, Knock their own institution, not their own institution, but knock their own sport for playing uh, for playing games. So uh, when I heard this, I was, you know, surprised, uh, pleasantly surprised, because what he, you know, he's absolutely right. Like you know, he's looking out for the best interests of his players. You know, mentioning that players won't be go won't be able to go home for the holidays. They have to deal with a lot of you know, you know, mental. You know, mental fatigue and, and, you know, having to change schedules and having games postponed and everything that the players are going to have to go through that we've already seen the NBA and, well, we've seen basically baseball and and definitely uh, the NFL go through uh, to a lesser extent the NBA because, you know, the NBA didn't lose games. Um, The NBA, uh, when once they got inside the bubble, the schedule was pretty straightforward once they got inside the bubble. But College basketball, you know, college football and the NFL have had games postponed uh, left and right. Um, and, you know, Coach K is right. Uh, that's a lot for a 18, 19-year-old kid to go through. Um, we saw Jim Beheim, you know, complain about it a couple weeks ago when they lost. But when they lost, um, I forgot who they lost to at home when they had 14 days off. But, again, whoever, so – You've seen, um, but Jim Beheim complained because they lost. Uh, that was that was Beheim. He he wasn't complaining about playing uh, games, you know, playing games and, and about COVID or questioning whether or not they should be playing games. He complained. He complained. Uh, you know, he basically made COVID use COVID as an excuse on in terms of why they lost. This is this is totally different uh, with, with Coach K. And basically, Coach K came really came at the NCAA. I mean, he really he let loose on just basically the overall mm-hmm. leadership and structure in terms of how the NCAA is run, saying that there basically is not, you know, they basically don't have a clear leadership that is run by a committee, which is, which is true. 
and that they you know haven't they are really not prepared to deal with this to you know and so he he un- completely unloaded on the NC- on the on the uh, NCAA um now we're talking about a guy who's a who is a icon in college basketball um one of the great coaches of all time if not the greatest coach in, in the history of college basketball when he comes out and, and speaks this way there you know there are going to be rippling effects um that are going to be felt throughout college basketball and through the NCAA with this. It's not just not just some Division two coach coming out and protecting his kids. This guy is a you know this guy is an all time great, and you know I wonder you know I, I don't expect the NCAA to you know to you know shut down a season behind this. They're still going to try like college football, like the NFL, try to collect every single dollar known to man. But you wonder if, if more coaches are going to feel comfortable in terms of speaking out um, because uh, with, with Coach K, with Coach K's, um, following Coach K's comments. So that'll be something, you know, something to keep your eye on. But again, it really, I, I really was surprised to hear uh, those comments. Uh, again, we I hadn't seen any coach, you know, college or pro come out and knock uh you know, their league or, or their sport for playing games through COVID. Uh, of course, Michigan Ohio State game was called um, was called this weekend or called on Monday. But with, despite that, Ohio State will be out built, will be eligible to play in the Big Ten championship. The Big Ten voted today to uh, you know eliminate, you know, to basically uh, eliminate this rule where they you have to have at least played six games to be Big Ten championship eligible. Ohio State, of course. Ohio State, of course. Um, goal is ranked number four in the country, or ranked number four in, in the college football rankings that came out. The most recent ones that came out last night. They, of course, uh, defeated uh, Indiana. So, if you, you certainly Indiana is not happy about this decision, as if Ohio, if Ohio State would not have been um, eligible and they were stuck to the rule, then Indiana would have been playing Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship on, I believe, on December 19th. So, you know, listen, Ohio State is the best team in the Big Ten. Uh, they beat Indiana. I mean, even though it was a close game, they deserve to be in the game. It's not like they only played one game or two games. They played, you know, four games. And, and you got you got to keep in mind the Big Ten schedule started late. It didn't start until October. Um, so I really don't have a problem with this. Um, again, I'm not an Indiana fan. I'm sure if you're an Indiana alumni or, you know, somebody who roots for the Hoosiers, you certainly would have a problem with it. And, you know, rightfully so. If Because Indiana, this is the best, this is the best year Indiana's had in, in, in decades in terms of Indiana football. I mean, Indiana football, you know, they, uh, they, they played like a legit top 10 program this year and have, a, have had a phenomenal season, to say at least. But those are the breaks. I mean, Ohio State is an institution. Ohio State is a, is a landmark program where it has been, Year in year out, one of the best programs in, in all the college football. So, uh, this is not this is to no surprise. I expected this decision to, to come down. If you're the Big Ten, who you rather see in, you know, playing for in the college football playoffs, possibly um, Ohio State or say Indiana. I mean, to me, or or you have to look at it this way. I mean, they Indiana probably wouldn't even if they won, even if they won the Big Ten Championship, Indiana probably wouldn't even get in the college football playoffs. So if you're the Big Ten, you're saying 
our best bet. First of all, it's first of all, it's Ohio State, and number two, our best bet to get a team possibly in the college football playoffs would be Ohio State, considering that they're ranked number four. So, to me, easy decision for the Big Ten to make. Um, you know, basically throwing you know throwing that rule aside, and um, and again, it's not it's not like a rule that's going to have to be uh, that's going to have to be moved. That's going to they're going to go back to in years to come. Hopefully, you know, this is a uh, you know, one-time thing in regards to, you know, this time next year, we won't be dealing with COVID as heavy and, and where, you know, college football will go back to their regular um, schedule of playing, you know, 12 to 13 games a year. So, uh, again, easy decision. You will see Ohio State against Northwestern, who also is having a phenomenal year phenomenal year in, in the Big Ten Championship. Carson Wentz, of course, bench for Jalen Hurts. Uh, this is kind of something you could you could see coming, though. I, you know, I'll say this: I, I understand Doug Peterson. Peterson is trying to get a spark. His job is to, to win football games. You know, they're still in the mix as far as the division goes. Though I don't, you know, though I don't think that they they're going to win the division. They're two games behind Philadelphia. Excuse me, two games behind the Giants and and, and the Washington Football Team. But his job, but Peterson, you know trying to get a spark. Uh, Wentz has been awful this season, but I, I told you, I said this on my last podcast, well, last sports podcast, that Wentz, to me, is not the major problem. That is a organizational problem with the drafting, the personnel, uh, not having Frank Wright. Um, so a lot of things have gone against Wentz. He has not played well. I'm not trying to defend Wentz's play. But the big, for, you know, for the big picture, if you're Philadelphia, um, you know, you want to see, you know, maybe Jalen Hurts could be the future. I don't think Jalen Hurts is the future, but you want, you know, you never know. Um, we've seen a lot, you know, less heralded quarterbacks come out of nowhere and become franchise players, franchise players besides um, other than Jalen Hurts. But um, Philadelphia, I think two scenarios will come out. Two things, I think one or two things will happen with this, either – Wentz will be traded in the offseason or he'll be cut after the 2021 after two after the 2021 season. Um, if they cut him after this season, then they would take a $59 million cap hit. If they cut him after the following season, then that number goes down to a $24 million cap hit. So, or you know, Wentz could get his job back and be spectacular, possibly be go back to being a Pro Bowl Cowboy quarterback next year. Uh, next year. The bottom line is he has not been the same player since the injury um, that he suffered in uh, 2017. Um, Then he got injured again uh, in a playoff game. Uh, You know, a couple of years, you know, he gets injured. He got, you know, had got injured again in the playoffs um, last year. Um, So he's kind of been, you know, he's kind of been nicked up throughout the course of his career. At one time, we know Carson Wentz, you know, I thought he should have been MVP that year. They won the Super Bowl when he got hurt. When he got hurt, uh, and they, I think they gave it to Brady that year. But I thought Wentz was—I thought Wentz was the best quarterback in the league that year. Um, but you need a lot of talent around Carson Wentz. He's not on the level to where you—he's going to carry your franchise. And that—and that, that is—you know—that's not. Yeah, that is Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning. That is rare territory. 
for a quarterback. You know, you're talking John Elway, those guys. It's not even with Tom Brady. Brady didn't carry New England. Um, great support system, great coaching, great uh, you know, offensive line. You barely got touched. And contrary to a lot of people, he did have he did have weapons. You know, Randy Moss, Rob Gronkowski, Wes Walker, I mean, Edelman. So, you know, Aaron Hernandez before, you know, his tragedy before he went to jail. So, it, you know, you with Wentz, you need a top flight offensive line. You need some uh, above average receivers. You need a lot. Uh, for Wentz to be as a, for Wentz to be effective, he's not going to carry your team. But with that being said, I don't think I don't think he's done. I think in the right situation, that Wentz could be a pro, could still be a starting quarterback, uh, very good, a very good quarterback in his, in his league. Maybe he never gets back to the 2017 Carson Wentz, or even last year's version of Carson Wentz. You know, last year he was 27 and seven. Okay, again, this this drop off has been just dramatic. In one, it's happened in one year. Remember, he they went to the playoffs last. They've been in the playoffs the last three years, and once led them basically by himself last year. But uh, the wheels have completely come off uh, this year. Fifteen interceptions, which leads the league by a lot. Only sixteen touchdown passes. He, I think, out of the thirty-two starting quarterbacks, I think he might be the worst. Rated quarterback in, the, in out of thirty two starting quarterbacks in the league, um, so again Philadelphia uh, goes to Jalen Hurts again. I watched a, I watched Jalen Hurts a lot in college between Alabama and Oklahoma. Had an excellent career, won a championship, played well. You know, certainly played great at uh, at Oklahoma um, last year, but he's not. Jalen Hurts is not a, a a franchise quarterback. He's not a guy. To me, that's going to be a starting quarterback in this league. Uh, I just don't. I just. I've, I haven't. I, I just don't feel it. I don't believe it that he will be that type of quarterback. I think he'll be an excellent. I think he's an excellent backup. I think he's a guy that would be have a long career as a guy that can come in, provide a spark. Uh, you know, situational plays, downs. Maybe you can use him like um, the Saints. You know, use uh, Taysom Hill. Taysom. Uh, Taysom Hill. But I don't think I, I don't believe in Hurts as a as the guy. Uh, and again, you know, he drafted him with a second round pick. That could have been a pick, you know, to kind of bolster the wide receiver core. Uh, it was a deep receiving, deep receiving draft this past, you know, in twenty twenty. Or you could have bolstered that offensive line. So again, big story to me as far as Philadelphia. Number one, the, the reason why they're in the they're in this predicament is they've been. They've been poorly run as far as personnel and they personnel and decision personnel decision making over the past three three uh, two to three years. And that's all it is to it. That 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 roster has completely eroded. And Doug Peterson, you know, some of the shine has been knocked off Doug Peterson. Again, it could be a case. I was talking to you know talking to a friend about this a couple of days ago. Could be a case where Frank Wright was the better coach, similar to Bruce Arians versus uh Chuck Pagano, uh, Pagano, a couple few years back when they were with uh, Indianapolis, so that that definitely could be the case. But regardless, Wentz it went is Wentz out hurts in for uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. Don't look now if you're a fan of the 
you know, if you follow the MC East, you have the Giants and Washington on top of the division following a just, you know, it, it has to be 2020 because <laughs> the Giants go out there and, and shut down Russell, uh, Russell Wilson and Washington snaps Pittsburgh's unbeaten streak um, in Pittsburgh. Um, let me begin with, um, I'll begin with, with uh, Washington. You know, that game was basically one play away from being completely um, getting out of hand when they, you know, they have the goal line stand at seven, nothing and they stop them. Now Pittsburgh gets another touchdown and goes up 14, nothing, but they easily could have been 21, nothing easy could have been 17, nothing. Um, you give, you know, give Ron Rivera a lot of credit. Um, the defense has played well, or, you know, they're a legit top five, top four, de- top five defense. Um, they, they get to the quarterback, excellent defensive line, and you can see the culture. You can see Alex, you know, Alex Smith has stabilized the quarterback position, you know, though he's not, he's, he's never going to be spectacular. I don't think he ever be back to the level that he was once when he was with San Francisco and the, or even Kansas City for that matter. But, you know, he's a, you know, he doesn't turn over the ball. And, you know, he made it, you know, he actually played well in, that, in the Pittsburgh game under the rest as he was getting knocked, knocked around left and right. But again, he, you have an adult at the quarterback position, basically. You have somebody who's competent at the quarterback position. They still have a lot, you know, Washington still has a lot, long ways to go as far as offensively. They don't scare you. But um, give Rivera credit, give the defense a lot of credit with Jack Del Rio. Um, probably the best win that franchise has had in, you know, going back to uh, what? four or five years, at least four or five years. I, I can't remember the last time they had a win that maybe maybe they beat Green Bay a few years ago. In the, in a, the last time they made the playoffs was 2015. I think 2015, last time they – yeah. So, I think they, they destroyed Green Bay on, on a Sunday night game, and then Green Bay got their revenge in the playoff game. But um, it's been a long time since they had – that caliber of a, of a win and again i don't you know covid and no covid pandemic or no pandemic no fans and no fans that is a big time win for that franchise um you can kind of see it this coming well vegas saw it coming you know it's funny so pittsburgh had a couple of games where leading up to this game where they weren't playing great um kind of a you know kind of been off schedule uh, they played, but well, they played Baltimore. So Pittsburgh was coming off a short week, so they played last Wednesday. They had to come back and play a Monday. Play Monday. The odds makers come into that game. I didn't even look at it before the game. During I looked at it during the game, it was only six and a half. And you figure undefeated team versus team that's coming in at four and seven, you'd say they would at least be a ten point favorite. So Vegas, Vegas knew something in, in regards to that. Um. And Pittsburgh was missing players due to COVID as well. But regardless, uh, you know, there's no, you know, not making excuses for, for Pittsburgh losing. Um, but everything, line, every, things were kind of lined up for Washington to possibly steal that game. They kept it close and they, st- and, and they stole it at the end. Again, give their defense an awful lot of credit. Pittsburgh could have put that game away three or four times in the first half. Defense, you know, they are, 
their defense kept them in it within striking distance. And then Alex, Alex Smith got kind of got hot in that third quarter in the second half, and they made enough plays to get a 23 to 17 victory over uh, the Steelers. As far as the Giants go, um, again, the Giants have, you know, have lost a lot of close games this year. Their defense has played well throughout the course of the season. Similar to Washington, we know that they're not great offensively, uh, missing a lot of players, you know, Daniel Jones, uh, of course, Saquon Barkley's out for the season. So they, they're missing a number of players as well on, on that. On they're, they're limited offensively, offensively. But again, that did give their defense a lot of credit, shutting down uh, uh, excellent Seattle offense and um, holding them to, you know, 12 points is, is no easy feat to say the least. And now, again, similar, you know, Joe Judge, similar to uh, Ron Rivera, has established a culture. Of, uh, of, of, a, of a belief in winning. And it's a culture that, you know, you look at that roster, how many, where, where are the me guys on that roster? And I have more, I have more, by the way, on Odell Beckham, who was, you know, who just can't get over the fact that the Giants got rid of him. Um, and I, I'll tell you why he can't get over that fact. It has nothing to do with the Giants, by the way. It has no, it has, well, it has something to do with the Giants, but more about something else. I, I, I'll get to that later on when I start talking when we talk about the Cleveland Browns. But um, get the Giants and give Washington credit. Um, now, of course, the Giants have the tiebreaker over Washington. They won both. They swept. They swept Washington both times, both close games. But regardless, they swept them. So if it goes down to a tiebreaker with the same terms, the same the same record, you give uh, the Giants will have that edge. But you know who knew. I mean, these coming into the season, these teams were thought they were thought to be uh, two of you know the two worst teams in the division. Washington was considered to be one of the worst teams in the league coming into this year. But again, both teams, despite their records, have you know have given their fan bases some hope uh, moving forward. Uh, still a long way to go. I mean, they haven't haven't turned the quarter. We still, they still, to me, neither one of them still has a quarterback. I'm not high on Daniel Jones. Turns over the ball way too much. And, of course, Alex Smith, great comeback story, but is not the guy that's going to lead your franchise if you want to win at a high level moving forward. He is a stopgap to the next guy, which is fine. I mean, you could, you know, he's a stopgap to their next guy, but he is not that guy that's going to lead this franchise into the future. But regardless, these two teams are fighting for a for first place and for the division. And, and by the way, it will be the only way – that they will get will be able to make the playoffs is through is winning uh, the division. As far as the rest of the NFL goes, um, you look at the contenders, the Super Bowl contenders right now. Um, I would say that there are three tiers of, of contenders. Um, I still have Pittsburgh, Kansas City, New Orleans at the top, Green Bay, Buffalo, the Rams sec- in second tier, and Baltimore, Seattle, and Cleveland in that third tier. We want to talk about. We've done Pittsburgh. You know about Kansas City. Um, that was an excellent win by the, by Buffalo over San Francisco. Look out for Buffalo in the postseason. That team is a dangerous team. They have a lot of talent. Quarterbacks playing well. Uh, they can beat anybody on on a given day, especially under these circumstances with with no fans and home field advantage not meaning anything. Um, New Orleans and Cleveland. So New Orleans over the past two years are. Are eight and zero. It's eight and zero without Drew Brees, and I mentioned this early in terms of earlier in the program podcast about culture. Um, 
they have a they have a championship culture. And to be frank, frank, be honest with you, they have not gotten enough credit for how consistent that team has been year in and year out. I mean, they've had multiple 13 win seasons back to back coming into this year. Uh, you would think that they now, again, they haven't won the Super Bowl. You know, they won the Super Bowl in the 2009 season. That seems like a long time ago. It is a long time ago. But the bottom line is, they uh, year in and year out, that team is is right there. Has been right there. Um, and there are a lot of teams that haven't even made it. There are a lot of franchises that haven't even been in the Super Bowl. So you can't. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna ever knock a team. Say they've they've only won one Super Bowl. Um, but that team has been consistent, one of the most consistent teams over the last half decade. And it's been knocking on the door. And right now, frankly, playing the best football in the league right now. That defense has been shut down on has been locked down. They play to their strengths with the run with the running game, the offensive line. And again, Sean Payton has been a master as far as scheming when, you know, scheming for you know, playing to the strengths of the, of his quarterback. He did with Bridgewater last year. He's doing it with Taysom, you know, with, with uh with Taysom uh, Hill. This year and Hill, by by the way, has improved over the course of his first, uh, the last couple starts. He was shaky in the first start. He's played better in the last two starts. Um, so give New Orleans a lot of credit for you know I, I think playing the you know playing the best football in the league right now. Uh, and they they have a they have a matchup against Kansas City in a couple of weeks. Uh, look forward to that that deep, their defense against Kansas City's offense. Um, as far as Cleveland goes, listen, Cleveland has been the punching bag, and rightfully so, uh, for the better part of the last, you know, forever. I'm not going to sit up here and tell you that I think Cleveland can win a Super Bowl, but I'm they, and we know that Cleveland is loaded with talent. They have a great offensive line. Mayfield has played well. Say what you want about him, and I'm I'm not a Baker Mayfield fanatic by any such imagination. But he has played well over the past month or so, and they play to their strengths. They are going to they 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 are going they are going to run the football down your throats. They have two running backs, uh, Chubb and Hunt, that are both that are both nearing a thousand yards. They have a top offensive line. They have a beast in Miles Garrett, who you know one of the best defense players in the league. Um, and and they and there's one guy that's missing that has not um, impacted them uh, impacted them as far as win, wins and losses, and that's uh, Odell Beckham. Hmm, I wonder why Odell Beckham is is feeling you know you know feeling kind of uh, feeling kind of salty right now because his team the teams because the teams don't need him. The Giants don't need him. The Browns don't need him. That's why he's pissed off. Teams are winning without him. Okay, all you guys, all you Odell Beckham fanatics and stands who defended, oh, you know he's misunderstood and this, that, and the third. When he destroyed that locker room in New York, and when you know comes, you know comes to Cleveland last year, not productive. Um, this year, you know, have, was having a better year. But again, the team has not missed a beat since he got hurt. They have not missed a beat whatsoever without him. And that, that, that says a lot. Both you have two franchises playing their best football in a long time without without Odell Beckham Jr. Just look at the wins and losses. I, I, saw, I don't care about numbers. Look at the win. Look at the wins and losses. 
the Giants finally can establish a culture without worrying about kissing the guy, kissing the ass of a guy who, you know, whose one playoff appearance he, you know, chose to go to Miami uh, the, the week before and couldn't catch a cold against Green Bay. So, this again, it, if you're a franchise, you're a franchise, you're building a franchise, you're a young general manager, you're developing a team, a franchise, you're drafting personnel, you don't need guys like that on your team to win, period. I don't care how talented they are. You don't need guys like that on your team who are going to demand, demand that, you know, who are going to make it all about them and just kill your locker room. Who are, going, who are not going to hold themselves, who are not going to, you know, have any type of accountability whatsoever, uh, which Odell Beckham has not. I mean, he's still, again, still blaming the Giants um, and still, you know, the coaches had it in for him and, and all this nonsense. Why are you worrying about the Giants? You're on a team, you know. I know. Now I know he hasn't played because of the injury. But the bottom line is, you're on a team that's nine and three, that's going that's going to make the playoffs, and that could be a tough out in the playoffs. Why are you talking about the Giants? And that, that tells you all you need to know about Odell Beckham, Odell Beckham Jr. He's on a nine and three football team, and he's talking about his ex team. That now that's that he's been, you know, that he, you know that he has that he was traded from. This not this year, last year. So, you know, shout out to New Orleans and Cleveland uh, playing great football right now. Uh, Cleveland has a showdown against Baltimore on Monday night. They have some some payback because Baltimore, frankly, embarrassed them the opening week. Uh, I think it was 38 nothing. but totally different teams right now. Baltimore, of course, come you know, had a nice wing against Dallas, which – you know, you know, nice team to get a nice team to get fat on uh, if you're coming in with a losing streak playing the Dallas Cowboys. But um, that'll be, you know, that'll be an interesting matchup. Strength on strength, uh, that Baltimore defense versus that Cleveland offense. Um, so, and of course, you know, New Orleans, I believe New Orleans plays Philadelphia. Yeah, Hurts, and that's, that's not a team that you want to make your uh, – Debut starting debut against uh, against that defense. That's one of the best pass defenses in the league. Uh, they've been the best defense in the league over the past four to five weeks. They've been the, that New Orleans defense has been absolutely um, lights out. I mean, they, they, they've been unbelievable. Um, Kansas City leaking some oil right now. Um, again, I still think pound for pound, you may you know gun to my head. I'm picking Kansas City to win the Super Bowl again, but um, have not played well over the last month. They played a number of close games. Um, could have easily lost to the Raiders a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Carolina a few weeks back struggled against them. You know, struggled. They struggled. You know, struggled against uh, Denver uh, on Monday night. Excuse me, on Sunday night. So, you know, it's nice that you can struggle and still keep winning. But um, just something to keep your eye on with Kansas City, especially you know offensively. Um, the last couple of weeks they've struggled in the red zone offensively, which is you know very rare for them with that quarterback with, the, with all the weapons that they have. But, uh, you know, not a major concern. Once, as long as you have Mahomes, you know, they, they should be fine. Um, momentum in terms of Aaron Rodgers is starting to pick up with the MVP. Uh, 36, 36, touchdowns, 36 touchdowns, four interceptions, another spectacular game. First half against Philadelphia, he, you know, couldn't miss, uh, uh, couldn't miss a receiver. I mean, I think he, at one point he was like 12 for 13, uh, 12 for 13, again, 
does not it really you look at you know he he reaches 400 touchdown passes he has a chance to he has a chance to have five to reach 500 touchdown passes and under 100 interceptions which is just insane i mean yeah of course you know easily has the best touchdown interception ratio in nfl history the number one rated quarterback in nfl history in terms of quarterback rating um again it the people, again, the people who just said that Aaron Rodgers was on the decline, and I, again, it's something I didn't pay attention. I paid attention to last year, just was just laughing at media members that just wanted. It was the media that wanted to create this narrative that the guy, you know, had slipped, uh, had considerably slipped, and you know, it's it just it was comical. It was just, it was absolutely comical, and um, not a good reflection on on on, on Mike McCarthy, to be honest with you, because. Look at Green Bay's record uh, under under Matt Lafleur. Uh, they are, you know, were thirteen and three last year. They are twenty two and six under Lafleur with an MC Championship appearance last year. So, and look what Mike McCarthy has done in Dallas. Now, again, injuries on the offensive line and with Dak Prescott, but that team, there are times where that that Dallas team has not showed up. Uh, Play calling hasn't been the greatest, um, so we'll you know, we'll see if McCarthy can last through uh, through the year. But uh, certainly, Green Bay, uh, you know, Green Bay. I, you know, I, I, listen. I, I think this year with the NFL, you know, I, I was talking about this with, with with Kansas City. It's not a dominant team, and you may be able to steal to steal a Super Bowl this year. I, and I said this last week. I think COVID is going to have an impact on. On these playoff games and 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 and, and the uh, Super Bowl in general, I really do. Uh, the, you know, there are too many outbreaks. You see what's going on with Baltimore. Um, I I think it is. And I think to me, just get just get in the playoffs, just get in the playoffs and take your chances. You know, really no home field with no fans. I, I don't. I, I think I, I think a team we we might get one of these. You know, um, might be one of these weird Super Bowl champions that 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 that, are unex- that is unexpected. I, mean, I would not be surprised. Wouldn't be in the least bit surprised if that if that were to take place. Going to shift now to the NBA, which never, which is never a dull moment in the NBA. The NBA is the best reality show, better than Atlanta Housewives, better than you know. Any reality show, uh, The Bachelorette, Bachelorette, The Bachelor, whatever, better than a Big Brother, uh, whatever reality show you want to name, there's nothing like the National Basketball Association. It, it just goes in season, off season, it doesn't matter. So I mentioned here, you know, I'm a, you have James Harden, Paul George, and Kyrie Irving, who I'm going to talk about. I want to deal with James Harden first. Um, <laughs> So James Harden, of course, wants to be traded. No surprise. We find out that he gave them basically a ultimate ultimatum, you know, build a championship team this year around me or trade me before, you know, before the season or coming into last season. Um, first of all, the latest update, uh, Harden, of course, is back. He rejoined the team on Tuesday. And I give the give the NBA credit. I give the NBA credit. He has to test positive. To, he has to test negative six times in order to get back on the court. In order to get back 
uh, on the court in training to join his team in training camp. Good. Six times. Good. I, if, if they could have made it ten, and I it, it fall out, fall out, fall out here. To be honest with you, make him go through all the, make him go through all that. His, you know, to to be out there. It's one thing you want to be traded. I, I don't care about that that point. We, we see that every other week with these star players wanting to be traded and want to be moved. That, that you know, that's you know, that, it is what it is. Um, but to go out there and and to go out there to Vegas and Atlanta, no mass, um, and just not give just give zero fucks about either getting COVID or spreading it. It's just, you're just doing whatever. You know, it's completely disrespectful to his, to his team. Completely, and it's just it's, it's just not reading the room, with James Harden. Oh, yeah, like it's it's just not smart. So whatever the NBA does, however the NBA comes down on them, so be it. So uh, so be it. Uh, any penalty that they hit them with, they almost have to do something to be on the kind of save face, and they want to you know set this president to. Uh, you know, with, with having players outside the bubble now. So they're going to they're gonna have to do something with Harden, some disciplinary action. Um, as far as Harden getting moved, um, you know, he said he would be over in Philadelphia. Philadelphia, of course, provides the best package because they have the ultimate trade chip in, in, in Ben Simmons. No, no one else can match that in the NBA. That be that would be that would be willing to uh, trade for James Harden. You know, if you're Philadelphia, you can say we we can trade. We will change trade for Harden straight up. Their salaries are close. Maybe we give you a draft pick. We're not giving you multiple. Maybe we give you a number one. Uh, we're not giving you three or four number ones. We might give you one number one, and that's it. Like yeah, you know, all uh, Ben Simmons is an all league player. He's seven years younger. He has a chance to be. I think Ben Simmons could be a, a, a has a chance to be a, a, a transcendent talent. I think he's that. I'm a huge Ben Simmons fan. Great defensively. Uh, so if I'm Philadelphia now again, I think that I don't think this trade is going to happen immediately. I think Philadelphia is going to see what they what kind what type of team they have uh, to start off the season. Um, Houston's going to be patient. Maybe wait on another deal, another deal to uh, to happen to occur. Or somebody else to come out the woodworks and trade for Harden. So I don't think I think Harden will start the season with Houston, but um, he is not. Um, it, it, you know, you, there was there was a time where you thought that it was either going to be Houston, he's either going to be with Houston this year, or or go to or go to Brooklyn. That's you know that's not a uh, you know that's not lock and key right now. Brooklyn is still in the, in the conversation, of course, but to me. If I had to guess on which team James Harden would be moved to, it would be the Phil. It would be Philadelphia 76ers, 76ers, because they have, again, because they have, um, they have Ben Simmons. Now, here's what you know. I've been hearing a lot about player, and you know, do players have too much power, uh, especially in the NBA? And my answer is no. And you know why players don't have too much power? They still are underpaid, believe it or not, especially the superstar players. They're still underpaid as in comparison to, like, players should be receiving about 75% of the revenue, to be honest with you. Yeah, they're at 51% right now to be with the uh, with the revenue revenue split. They should be receiving uh, close to 70%, if not more. 
um, if you have a top flight organization, or if you're even competent organization, or if you're an organization that's just that's not afraid of the, of the star superstar player, then you won't have to you won't have too many problems. You know, Jerry Buss a long time ago told Kobe Bryant, like Kobe Bryant came into the 2007 2008 season. They're coming off a year, a second straight first round um, exit to the Phoenix Suns. Kobe, this is prime Kobe, of course. Um, best, he's best player in the league at this point. And he demanded to be traded in that offseason. He, he demanded to be traded. Jerry Buss said, no, we're not going to trade you. And they end up, they end up uh, trading Paul Gasol and they went to three straight and they went to three straight finals and won back-to-back championships in, in, in 09 and 2010. That is a competent organization standing up to a player or being, or one, number one, and number two, um, putting the move, put, you know, putting players around them that can, you know, that will allow them to compete for a championship. Two summers ago, Houston had a championship caliber team. They came within inches of beating Golden State, took them to a seven game. And this is this is Golden State, Kevin Durant. You know, this is all-time great Golden State team uh, that won back-to-back championships fully healthy, okay? Well, I know Eagle Dollar got hurt, but, you know, they had they had the big four. Um, in regards to, you know, Durant, Durant, uh, Curry, Thompson, and Draymond, Draymond Green. So that team that Houston had was was a championship team. They just happened to run to Golden State. You lose to Golden State the following year without, I know, disappointing, without Durant, but still take them to six games and still play them, you know, still, you know, play them, you know, push them. Push them in a where you were you were up two where you were um two two up you know not up three two but you were two two you know um and they should have they could have won you know could have won that series came up short so all of a sudden you decide you know what I don't like Chris Paul anymore or the fact that Chris Paul was calling James Harden out for just standing around when he doesn't have the ball which he does you move James Harden you move Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook you trade all your assets. And that turns out to be a disaster. Um, now, that turns out to be a disaster because you now move Westbrook a year later and you have no, you in essence have no assets. And Chris Paul goes to a team and leads an Oklahoma City team, which was supposed to be a lottery team, to, uh, you know, to a game seven against Houston this year. So they allowed James Harden to basically run their franchise and they, he has ran their franchise into the ground with some of the moves, some of these moves that they've made. And is James Harden a superstar? Absolutely. Is James Harden an all-NBA player, MVP candidate every year? Absolutely. But, you know, if you are an organization that knows what they're doing, if you're an organization that believes in your, in your, and you have a, you've developed, I mentioned earlier in the program, if you, if you develop a culture then that you know none of that matters in regards to how 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 big the player is. None of that matters because you tell the player, hey, listen, this is what we're going to do. This is the this is the best means. This is the this is the direction that we're going to take our organization with. 
we're gonna add, we're gonna add to you and Chris Paul. We're gonna take another shot at Golden State. And if they would, if Chris, imagine, you imagine the Chris Paul, the way he played this year on Houston. Now, I don't, would they have beaten the Lakers? Probably not. But they would have been much more competitive. It would have been a much more competitive series. If Chris Paul, frankly, was a much better fit than Russell Westbrook was. There's, and anybody with, with two eyes would oppose that. Chris Paul was a all, you know, second team all NBA this year. So getting back to my original point, no, players don't have too much power. But what happens is player, you know, listen, players are smart. Players are smarter than ever in regards to knowing who can coach, knowing and knowing a poorly run, poorly run organization when they see one. So players are smart about that. And if, you, if there are any holes or leaks in your organization, player, a player is going to exploit it and they're going to use it to their advantage. So I think, you know, I think it's time, you know, listen, ideally um, you would want some more time to build around James Harden, but, you know, he's been there for eight years. He's been there for eight years and you have, you don't have the final, you don't have, you have nothing to show for it outside of, you know, in terms of winning. In terms of winning, you, you haven't you haven't won a championship, you haven't even gotten to the final. So, you know, it's probably, it's probably that's, it's probably time for them to uh, part ways for Houston to completely go into a, uh, you know, go and, you know, completely rebuild. Uh, as far as um, Kyrie Irving, um, so Kyrie Irving comes out, comes out, um, gives this statement during media week last week. Uh, training camps opened up last week. Everybody talked. I saw everybody interviewing via Zoom last week. I saw Kevin Durant, saw Anthony Davis, LeBron James, every player, Russell Westbrook, you know, everybody. So everybody's doing interviews, okay? Everybody, no matter how big the star, whoever, everybody's interviewing, um, doing interviews and talking to the media, except Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving sends out this, this bullshit statement. Um, you know, talks about COVID and you know a whole a whole bunch of other things. But basically, uh, you know, as an excuse to not, you know, just doesn't want to talk to the media for this for this particular week. Um, and you know, you look at Kyrie Irving. There's a reason why he's been traded multiple times. Um, that he's been. I mean, there's a reason. There's a reason why he cannot be a a, a number one guy on a championship team. There's a reason why, you know, Boston got better without him. Okay. Yeah, you think about Boston with that. You think about Boston. Boston went to two Eastern Conference Finals. Made two, made, they made two Eastern Conference Finals appearances without Kyrie Irving. And, it, you know, it, I don't know what happened to Kyrie from the time Cleveland won the championship to where he's at right now. But um, it's gotten to a point where he, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even want him on my team, to be honest with you. I, I honestly would not want him on my team. There are a lot of great point guards in the NBA. Hey, point guard is a rich 
position in the NBA. A number of point, point uh, top flight point guards, young and old. And he's he's gotten to the point where he's just not worth the aggravation. He's not worth it. Now, he didn't come out and say that he wasn't going to talk to the media for uh, the entire year. But, you know, if he if he did make if he did choose to make that decision, like I'm gonna be honest with you, if I were a media member, I wouldn't. I, I honestly wouldn't care if Kyrie didn't speak. To be honest, uh, to be totally honest with you, it's not like Kyrie is the most compelling interviewer interviewee. Um, you know, he's not. You know, he's not Shaq. He's not Michael Jordan here. They're doing interviews. He's not LeBron or whoever. You know, he's not going. He doesn't give you. He gives you some content, but it's like, yeah, okay, Kyrie. He says a lot of weird stuff. Says a lot of strange stuff. Um, again, I can't wait for the NBA season to start to watch that the, outside the Lakers. I'll be that will be the team that I'll be watching the most this year. The Brooklyn Nets. I, I, I absolutely cannot wait for the season to start to watch that team. That lot with that locker room. And lastly, of course, we had Paul George calling out Doc Rivers on the All the Smoke podcast, which come I think comes the full episode comes out tomorrow. Uh, but you know they came out with a with a uh, uh, you know with a snippet uh, of like a five and a half minute cut uh, snippet of it last week uh, with Stephen Jackson and Matt Barnes. Um, he calls out Doc Rivers. Here, here's the thing about Paul George. And guys like that. I see why Paul George comes up small in big moments and has had a history of coverage ever since going back, ever since 2013. In 2013, he played well. The team got to the Eastern Conference Finals. They got to the Conference Finals in 2014 as well. So, uh, you know, he had, he's had some moments in the playoffs. But for the most part, last three or four years, Paul George uh, you know, has been, you know, horrible in the playoffs. Last year, he was dreadful. But one of the reasons why he keeps coming up small is there's just no accountability and you know it's the coach's fault is the player's fault it's every it's everybody's fault except ball george's fault and again you know he's calling out doc rivers and i thought doc rivers had a perfect just a perfect comeback he said uh, to it you know a perfect response he says well i don't think it's going to change that much because you know i a lot of stuff some of the stuff, you know, some of the calls, some of the strategies came from Ty Lu. And you could take that and say, well, he's knocking Ty Lu. I think that I take that as a, as to say that, you know, he had respect, another a lot of respect for Ty Lu to allow Ty Lu Ty Lu to have that to have that level of 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 say in making in making calls and strategies and 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 you know implementing parts of their offense and what have you. Um and what have you. So and Doc is right from that standpoint, though I, I probably wouldn't even respond to Paul George. You know, he's in he's in Philadelphia. He has a has a good team. You know that you know the Clipper disaster is you know is 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 done uh, from um, from from the NBA bubble. But uh, you know, with a Paul George, again, that is a guy that you can't you will never win with if he's your number one. I'm starting to think even if he's your number two at a high level. I, I think it's got to a point where Paul George. He's not reliable. He's he's not reliable. I just uh, not only with his play, but just at, even, even as a leader, 
even lead, even even as being a part a a, a co leader, and that's that's and that's part of the problem with that clip with that Clipper franchise. Paul George thinks he is equally the guy along with with uh, Kawhi Leonard, and part of part of that is to do with is on Kawhi Leonard because Kawhi Leonard is not is is nowhere near the leader that he should be because you know if you're Kawhi Leonard. You're clearly the better player. You're clearly the best player on that team. There should be is I'm the is this is my team. I'm the leader. You know, Paul George, you fall in line. But you have you know, have a situation where Paul George thinks he's you know uh, thinks it's one and one a with him and Kawhi Leonard, and it shouldn't be that way. But overall, you know, in regards to Paul George, I, I would not want like like I said, I I'm not quite there with him as that I. With him as I am with Kyrie, saying I wouldn't want, wouldn't want him on my team, but I just wouldn't want him to be. I, I probably would want him to be the third guy. Uh, I wouldn't want him to be my second guy in terms of if I'm trying to win a championship. That's why I think Paul George. That's why I think we're at with Paul George. So, three guys who are all star, who are all stars, max players. Um. But three guys who you don't want to run your franchise. You don't want these guys as your number one player on your franchise, to be honest with you, if you want to win a championship. You include James Harden. A couple of real thoughts. Um, so power book to ghost return. I gotta be honest with you, there's a lot, there's a lot going on in the, in this episode, but the problem is the layoff. I mean, I, you know, a two month layoff. It's gonna take me a couple episodes to get back into it. Um, clearly, they're going in a direction to where the Tejadas are going to basically implode between, you know, Kane and Monet, and then you know the fathers in jail. It's a lot going on with them, and you you, know, you got uh, Drew, Drew, and. I forgot the daughter's name. I forgot her name already. You got them doing their own thing, going to Stansfield, uh, you know, chasing Tyreek and Drew's chasing the dude, the basketball player. So it's a lot, a lot of moving pieces. What what I took away from this episode is number one, of course, you know, two bit gets out, and I, I, I think I think he might still be dating Courtney Kemp. I, I believe he is. I, so that's not it's certainly not surprised to see him back. Right? You know, it doesn't hurt. Uh, you know, that that doesn't hurt when you're dating the uh, showrunner. But anyway, I, I like I like Two Bits character. I'm glad I'm actually glad he's out. But um the thing, the biggest thing I took for, took away from the episode was the fact that Braden is clearly gonna be Tommy. He's clearly gonna be Tommy. You know, you know, he, that that is without question. He and Tyreek are gonna be ghost and Tommy. It's no two ways about it. They're setting that up. Uh, you know, he goes out there, you know, you know, on Queens on the corner, sells the drugs. His brother, you know, turns out to be the turns out to be a sucker. He's, you know, we know we know he was a sucker from the beginning, you know, to begin with. He couldn't, of course, he's you know, he's not street at all. Brady was comfortable in that, you know, in that surrounding. So they are, you know, lead that we're heading in that direction. I think Tommy's gonna come back before the season's over with. I think like they'll bring, they're gonna bring, bring back Tommy like in the season finale. I can see that. I can see Monet killing Kane. I think I, I think Kane is too much of a liability. He's too, he's too Kane is out of control right now. Um, 
So uh, I can see Monet having to having to take him out um, before the season over with. But again, I it was a pretty it was a de- it was a decent episode. It was a decent episode. Um, I'm I'm, I'm going to need a couple episodes to really get into it. The, the layoff you just can't you can't have a mid season layoff like that after five episodes. It's, it's like it's very difficult to get into. It was very difficult to get into um, this particular episode. And I didn't. And by the way, I didn't. Even re- I didn't rewatch the previous five episodes. Uh, certainly, that certainly would have helped. But um, I, you know, I'll probably I'll be into it more next week. I have a better. I have a better. You know, feel of, of, of where they're going uh, after this. After this up and coming episode. Um, so you, you have that going on, and then you, there's one other thing that I, I wanted to mention. That now it's completely has just slipped my mind. Um, sports related, but yeah, got a birthday coming up, so I'm getting older. So I'm you know lose my memory a little bit because <laughs> I completely slipped my it completely slipped my mind. Uh, so you know, be on the lookout for. Our latest edition of the Real Deal podcast, The Wire Remix. Uh, we did an episode with Robert Sapp. And then, of course, this was a big episode, Middle Ground. Um, one of my favorite episodes to do this that I've done, that we've done over the course of, of the, you know, last of the, of the first three seasons. A great episode to watch, a great episode to do. Check that out. Um, that's that's out right now. And, of course, we um, I will see you next time. That's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. I will see you next time. Have a great rest of your evening. And don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel, www.youtube.com slash Real Deal Podcast. Click the link. Click the subscribe button. You know, like the podcast. Comment on the podcast. I will see you next time. Have a great, great rest of the evening. So long.